Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's time for the man who taught Vince Carter how to slam. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> the man who's three inspired the Curry family. I don't exaggerate. I congratulate. With another masterpiece. It's time for you know who my man Seiku. Go Airborne. It's Seiku's Miss Hangtime Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith from NBA.com, your host here in Atlanta. Got a great show for you today. Spoke a couple weeks ago with Memphis coach and basketball legend Penny Hardaway. Now, keep in mind, this is long before the NCAA violation situation arose with his prize freshman, James Wiseman. We did not discuss that with Penny. We did not even bring up James Wiseman or any other specific names on that roster. We wanted to make sure we had a, you know, a, a conversation with Penny that would keep everybody out of the principal's office. And uh, in retrospect, we did a good job because that's not something that came up. We also have Brandon Jacoby Peters on the podcast this week talking to us about the Golden State Warriors and the dramatic change in lifestyle and location the Warriors have undergone the past few months, no longer playing in Oakland, now playing at the Chase Center in San Francisco. And everything's changed for Warriors fans who are now dealing with some dueling loyalties on which side of the bay you might be from. Um, but again, we we got a great lineup this week, as always, here on the Hang Time Podcast. We're going to kick things off talking to Penny Hardaway. And then again, Brandon J. Peters talking Warriors and NBA. Very appreciative uh, for the time this guy has taken to speak with us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Uh, NBA legend uh, and a basketball genius, if there ever was one, as a player and now as a coach. Penny Hardaway, the coach at Memphis, is joining us. Coach, how you doing? Everything's going great, man, and it's no problem, and I'll pay you for the compliments later. <laughs> well, look, I, I know there's there's so much going on in – in the game of basketball right now from the grassroots level on up um, and being a college coach, I'm just curious what has changed dramatically in your eyes in the time since you were a player to now being on the coaching end, has the game changed dramatically in, in terms of what you view? Yeah, it's definitely changed dramatically from when I played the game in college and in the NBA until now, uh, back in the day, the forts and the, and the centers, were everything, you know, they were, they were like the focal points. They were like the superstars of the league uh, in the post. And then everything was so crowded in the post because you had to really feed the five men. Uh, it was like a written rule or even an unwritten rule. Like you had to get that ball to the five men almost every time down to get that touch uh, in the half court sets. And then now the game has changed so much because there isn't any more bigs that want to post anymore. The, the, all the bigs are on the, on the three point line and it's almost like five, five hybrids or five guards on the floor versus, you know, big men and guards. So, so what does that do in terms of when you get kids with all the skill training that they do nowadays and all of these, these different technological advances they've had in the past couple of decades, 
what does that do for people who have to teach the game, who are the guardians of how this game is supposed to be played, and you're trying to groom these kids to play at the collegiate level and potentially beyond for some of them? Well, not to you know throw any high school coaches or AAU coaches under the bus, but there isn't a lot of teaching uh, skill set of the kids. Obviously, you got to put your system in. You got to you got to do certain things. But these kids, when they get the higher level they go, and the more they don't know, they're eventually going to have to know it. And unfortunately for us, as coaches, you have to detox a lot of the things that they've learned in a bad fashion, and then kind of groom them in the areas where they have to be better, especially on this level. And the biggest thing is energy. The one thing you find yourself coaching is energy from these kids coming, you know, out of high school nowadays because they've been allowed to play at a slower pace than what than what they need to. And when they get to the higher level, they try to play with that same pace and it doesn't work. So they go through a little learning curve, not only with the plays, but the energy that it takes to be out there every day. Yeah. Now, you know, when you have a – people who come through the, the basketball ecosystem and have great playing careers, not all of them move on to the coaching ranks. When did you know that, that coaching was going to be in your future post-playing career and that you wanted to maybe do that for years beyond your, you know, your playing days? Well, actually, I didn't know. Uh, a friend of mine who had got diagnosed with colon cancer came to me and asked me if I could help him coach because he was going through chemo. And it was, this was a middle school in our old neighborhood. It was a middle school that he and I went to when it was elementary. And uh, I wanted to give back to my community and then also help out a friend. And at that point is that the first time and the only time that I ever thought about coaching anything after I got after I retired from the NBA. And it just went from there. It took on a life of its own. The, the world of big time college basketball is now on a level that it's never been in terms of the reach of it and just the attention paid to it. Um, how do you how do you protect? college kids how do you protect those players from all the things that are out there and, and keep them locked in and focused on their task when there's social media and all these other things swirling on going around outside of, of the sanctuary of that gym and that program yeah that's the that's the toughest thing because there's so many avenues and ways for kids to to be contacted through all kind of social media outlets you don't even have to be in person you don't even have to be in the same town state area you can still you know get negativity or get people trying to get you to do different things and it's difficult all you can do is as a coach is give them the rules and regulations and the things to look out for and you just hope that they you know take heed and then their upbringing from their from their childhood on doing things the right way uh, that you can just and obviously being an 18 year old 19 year old getting all of this attention when you get to school it doesn't help that but you just have to keep plugging away with just trying to do the right thing yeah. You mentioned your community and anybody who knows anything about you knows that the the connection you have with Memphis and, and the fans and the people who love basketball, not just, you know, the, the NBA fans or what have you, it's the basketball community, which in Memphis, I think is very underrated. Um, I, th- I think it's always been one of those cities where the love for basketball was not necessarily known beyond Memphis, but it, like myself, if you've been through there and have spent any time there, you know it's a basketball crazy city. Um, is is the connection in where you came up to be the coach there now and to have an opportunity to to change some lives and, and impact those young people? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, being born and raised here is a huge factor within itself. But the love that the city has shown me since I was in ninth grade, an unknown ninth grader playing with Elliot Perry, who made it to the who got drafted in the NBA, uh, playing in his shadow. Uh, a lot of people came out to see him, and then they they basically, you know, discovered me. 
And from that point on, you know, just the love that they gave me and the support that they've given me all the way up until this point, uh, until this point, it just, I felt the need that once I made it to come back and not only give money to my community, but to give my time to my community. And that's, that's been a win-win for everybody because it just, it's just come full circle. I, I know you, the demands on your time are great as a college coach, and, and I know you're locked in and focused on on the college game. But what what catches your eye in in 20, 2019? What what keeps Penny Hardaway intrigued about the NBA game, players, styles? I mean, what is it about the NBA that still makes you sit back and take a look? Yeah, obviously it's, it's players first, and then it's the style that they play. Not obviously what their team plays, but their creativity and what they bring to the game. And obviously, I like an unselfish guy that can that can find other people on the floor, uh, be a floor general, and still find ways to get his own in different different ways. Uh, that takes a lot of work, not just coming in and, and getting being a volume shooter and just getting a bunch of shots up and scoring 30, 40, 50 points or whatever, but actually taking the time to kind of dissect the game and play chess instead of checkers as a basketball player and making multiple efforts on both ends. I enjoy watching players that bring that to the game. It's interesting. I, I was talking to a former teammate of yours who's a colleague of mine now, Dennis Scott, and we always talk about the history of the game, um, you know, kind of where it's been, where it's going. And he always comments about the fact that you were the player that was that next link in the in the evolution from Magic having a big point guard to Penny. He, and he was talking about how many players are in the league now that he talks to that mention you, that mention going back and watching your highlights and watching how you played as kind of a blueprint for how they like to play. Did you know during your career that, that you had that game-changing talent, or did you wait and, and kind of not look at it then, but maybe look at it after you were done playing it to see where you fit in the landscape of basketball history? You know, the one thing I tried to worry about when I played was representing every single night that I stepped on the court, never taking a night off. Every time I stepped on that floor, I wanted to dominate. I wanted to put a show on for the fans who paid their money to come to the arenas. Uh, I wanted them to leave saying that this guy puts on a show and gives it his all every time he's out on the floor. And and what, what came with that was an appreciation from the fans uh, for my game and for my talent. But I never looked at it like, hey, I'm changing the game right now. I never looked at it in that fashion. I just came out and played hard as I could every single night. And, and I was definitely conscious of not just going out and going through the motions because as a fan, you don't want to go to the game to see your favorite player a favorite team and see them go through the motions all night or either take a night off. And I learned that from a, from a very early age. The work ethic that you show both as, you know, in your playing career in college and in the NBA, is that one of the things you're driving home to your players now, just making them understand what kind of grind and drive it takes to, to be at that highest level. I know, you know, a lot of guys show up on a college campus with talent, but, but you know, as well as I do, it's so much more involved in it than just having raw talent. Is that, is that one of the strongest messages you have to send to your guys? Yeah, we're always talking about, you know, accountability uh, in a lot of ways. But we also talk about entitlement. You know, all these guys feel entitled. You know, you're, you're only responsible for what you can do. And what we tell you is you can bring your energy every single day. You can bring your, your body and your energy. What you don't know mentally, physically, you can make up for it. And attitude of thinking everybody's supposed to give you something and that you're not supposed to work for it is, is definitely something that close coaches have to fight. We have to coach energy to get these kids to play hard. And at our school, we're not going to have that because we have to break that cycle. We have to break what you've done before and get you on the same level that we are. 
And for us to win and to win big and to win a national championship, we need all of the energy to be the same, the culture to be, we're going to work hard. We're going to earn everything that we get. And we don't, we're not entitled to anything. We got to, we got to earn it. So that's what we have going for our guys when they come through the door. I, I know last thing here, coach. And I, and like I said, I appreciate you taking your time. I, I know, you know, the, the college season comes upon us so quickly and, and it's all building towards March madness and chasing that championship. But how fun is it for you just to, to be in that foxhole every year? Like you get to start over fresh with a new team, with a new group, you know, with new energy, kind of, you know, trying to figure it out as you go. I mean, how much fun is it and has it been digging in in the coaching side and doing what you're doing in Memphis? Yeah, obviously being an extension of the coach on the floor for all those years, you know, you feel like you're a coach. Uh, but actually being a coach and being involved and having the actual 15 guys under your toolage, under your, you know, leadership and to have to bring that in every day and to try to find different ways every single day, every single night of studying film, studying tendencies, uh, to try to make us better on a nightly basis. That, that, that makes me happy every day because that continued my, my compet- that kept my competitive juices going like it did when I played. And that's what I look forward to every, every year. I mean, obviously the year that you're in, you want to win it all. But if you don't, you get a chance to do it all over again and repeat. So the thing about it is I enjoy that. Uh, that's what I live for. That's what I eat for. That's what I sleep for. That's what I breathe for is basketball and learning how to get better every day at every single part of the game. And that's what Sounds, I'm trying awesome. To do. Sounds awesome, Coach. And I, I know you got uh, your own podcast, um, the Two Cents Podcast, uh, being a His Studios original. So we're going to check that out as well. And we are definitely going to pay attention to Memphis Tigers basketball. We we love checking out that team and seeing how they play and, and seeing whatever reflection of you is in that program, man. So we appreciate you. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Once again, we want to thank Penny Hardaway for spending some time with us here on the Hang Time Podcast. And you're talking about the future of the league, and, and now we're talking about the present of the league with Brandon J. Peters, the Golden State Warriors, after five years of living the high life. They are now back to a very sober reality in a new building, in a new city, technically, across the Bay in San Francisco, but not exactly the Warriors we've been used to here in recent years. We've talked a little bit about those Golden State Warriors, the difference in last year and, of course, this year. What's the future of the franchise? If Steph Curry isn't even being reevaluated for the next three months, what's the right move? I think it's going to be a one-off season where you have to get those guys healthy, develop some of the young prospects and then, you know, uh, hopefully be able to get a, a huge draft pick in this upcoming draft. But the most important thing is to get Clay, Steph healthy. You got to play the game, the long game and play it smart. I mean, the future is you're looking at opening night next year, starting four all-stars, yeah. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, if they decide to hold on to him, and having a high lottery pick to add to that and hopefully develop some of these guys, Pascal, Jordan Poole, Kai Bowman, whoever it may be, developing a couple of those guys, Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, you know, they've got some good options. The future for them is fine. The present is going to be very difficult. Veteran journalist Brandon J. Peters joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to rock with us today. And it's, it's interesting. The, the state of affairs for the Golden State Warriors is dramatically different 
from the last time I actually spoke to you in your studio. Um, you know, that, that, that was the high life the last time I saw you and we even uttered words about the Warriors. Now it's back to this very strange reality after five years of being on top of the mountain. What's that like for Warriors fans, for folks in the Bay Area and people who have lived through these past five years? It's wild, man. A lot of people, uh, you know, who follow me for writing or just know that I'm from Oakland and I'm a Warriors fan, uh, come up to me and be like, hey, man, hold, hold it down. Now that things are good. I'm like, man, I'm 43 years old. Bro. We we were struggling for most of my life before we got to the good part. Like, we believe was a highlight for me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a a lot of people are, are, you know, upset and like, wow, I can't believe this. But at the same time, you got to think that it's a ton of injuries. I think this is kind of unprecedented. This number of injuries to so many star players on one team in such a small amount of time. And yeah. people feel like the team will be back for sure. Like once the core gets back on the floor healthy, then things will turn. Yeah, the, we we talk so much about the connection the Warriors have had over the years to their fans in Oakland, for them to move across the Bay, you know, to the Chase Center and, and to be in San Francisco now. Everybody had time to prepare themselves for it, but did, that didn't make it any easier to swallow out. Imagine when you see them on open at night in that new building, in that new spot, knowing the history with Oakland. I mean, that, that still had to be hard. Oh, to watch, man, it's, it's difficult. Like, I, I understand, you know, when they started in Philadelphia, but, you know, were in San Francisco for a good amount of time before they came over to Oakland. So it's not like they're going somewhere they've never been, but at the same time, I don't feel like the league and the organization ever fully, fully embraced Oakland. Like they embraced it. The players definitely did. You know, some of the, the execs did for sure, but like we we never thought about changing the name for the Oakland Warriors. You know what I mean? So that, that's right. one of those things. I feel like later as more success came, they definitely bought in. You had the town universe, uniform, shout out to the homie Dustin from the Bay who designed those. Um, but, you know, I want to see them wear yeah. the town uniforms now that they're in San Francisco. They definitely wore the city uniforms when they were in Oakland. <laughs> so, you know, it's good for the goose, it's good for the Turn game. Turn out yeah, is fair exactly. play. No question, no question. Well, look, we know that, you know, the number of guys, you know, Steph with the broken hand, Clay with the ACL, you know, Draymond dealt with a little bit of injury yeah. stuff to start the season. You lose Kevin Durant in free agency. Andre Iguodala is gone. Sean Livingston retires. I mean, the the list goes on and on about Kevon the changes. Looney as much. D'Angelo, yeah, exactly. D'Angelo just just, I mean, you know, it's it's like wow, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, is this like the the flip side of that that karma coin? Like, okay, you had it rolling. Now, now we're gonna humble you a little bit just to remind you of how quickly and how fleeting that elite success. Uh, I mean, be. I don't know, man. I think it's just kind of like a string of bad luck to an extent, and just injuries happen in professional sports. Like we've just never seen it happen this much. And also, I feel like maybe we have, and the team was just a middle of the way team, and we just didn't notice. You know what I mean? Like, every all eyes have been on the Warriors, like you said, for the last five years. So it's one of those things where everybody's paying attention. So even the smallest thing is going to be magnified to, you know, the nth degree. But it's I, I don't necessarily think it's a karma thing because these guys are, are good guys. Like, you never hear about, you know, them wilding out, yeah. doing nothing crazy. Like, 
So I, I think they'll be back, man. I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I think one thing that the Warriors have shown, particularly Draymond, Steph, and Clay, is that they don't need much to motivate them. Right. Yeah, they'll be back. We know, you know, For next sure. year. But man, it's taking me some time to, to like, I'm a Michigan guy, a Michigan fan. So, you know, I know who yeah. Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson III are. But I'm not going to lie to you. I, I went into Charles Barkley, who he played for more when I saw Kai Bowman. Yeah. I, was like, who? I was like, I had to do some studying. Like, they got some guys who, you know, people that are deep in G League basketball and kind of on the circuit know, maybe know these names. But the casual fan is having to reacquaint themselves with this team, man. What is What do you think endears – this team to the fans more the the spirit of guys like Eric Pascal and, and kind of that gutty, you know, just raw dog performance that you're going to get from guys like that. Or the fact that you can kind of look at them and be like, listen, we know that they're, they're the underdogs night after night. So we're going to give them a break. Like, is it, is it the spirit that they play with or is it just the reality of knowing that they can't compete the way they used to. I think with this I think it's a, a mix of two things. I think it's that you know this team has given mm. the fans three rings in the last five years, so you can't just you look like a real bandwagon hopper if you jump off right now. Um, and also, <laughs> like you brought up, like right. Bowman, Pascal, Jordan, Poole, Marquise, Chris, like these dudes go out there and play hard every night. Like Alec Burke is playing well. D'Angelo, you know that that he just got hurt, but before he got hurt again. He was playing extremely well. They don't quit. Like, we've all watched NBA teams, and we're not going to name no names. We've all watched NBA teams where we go out there and we know these guys ain't here to play tonight. They out there collecting the check or waiting until next year. These dudes are going out there like they playing for a job on a championship-caliber team because they know come next year when the boys come back, then you want to be on that team. Or you auditioning for the team that's gonna pick you up next. Like Kyle Bowman is on a two way contract making seventy five grand a year and he out there checking the best point guard or the best two guard on the opposite team every night and putting in work. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, and it's the one thing about the if you've been around it, you've been around basketball long enough, we know that it Absolutely. goes in cycles, you know. Um you know, I I remember when I was a kid. I if you'd have told me that the Lakers would be down and look the way they were, I would have yep, laughed at exactly. you. Exactly. Um, there there are teenagers. There are teenagers that the, this is the first taste of bad Warriors basketball that they'll have experienced in their young little lives because they they just assume, well, man, when I'm ten, eleven, twelve years old, the Warriors are rolling. So now they they've been rolling all of my basketball exactly. existence. Can you think of another time where you were looking at your at the Warriors and saying to yourself, all right, it's rough right now, but I can see on the horizon what's coming. Like, I didn't see Steph, Clay, and Draymond coming like a lot of people. I didn't know that was around. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can think of a time. I was wrong, but I can think of a time. <laughs> For sure. I mean, you got to think the Warriors have had talent over the years. Like, back in the day, the teams yeah. with uh, Run TMC – then you had Spree and 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 Chris Webber on the floor. I remember – I don't remember what year it was, but I remember reading the article in USA Today. Back in the day, it had to be in the 90s, where there were five guys who were the leading scorer on their teams who had all played for the Warriors within a certain amount of months. 
at a time. Because you remember back in those days, the Warriors would trade players in a heartbeat to get, you know, the the classic the getting Billy Owens. You know what I mean? Like that whole thing. Like right, so, right. it's it's not a, a, yeah. a surprise at all that you know it it, it was a surprise that we got this good that quick with uh with with this core but yeah i've seen the talent before and thought oh man next year is our year or at least we'll compete <laughs> man listen yeah <laughs> <laughs> now i mean listen i love it too because i just i hear people's history of the league like you know i've been covering the league since for um, this is my 19 20 yeah. season or whatever like i remember vividly when certain teams were afterthoughts and now in that span they've become championship caliber teams and then going back to to the ether i mean it you don't realize how often this happens the cyclical nature of it un- until you take a a broader historical look absolutely not um, i mean you gotta think and i i would have never i mean anything is possible but you know i, I would have never thought the toronto raptors would have won a championship um, at least not in my lifetime. And, you know, right now you, you can say the Clippers have a big, as good of a chance as anything to win the championship this season. So it's like, like you said, things are cyclical, but it's, I think we're getting to the time now with, with uh, players taking shorter term deals that the cycle is just, it's a lot more rapid than it was for decades leading up to this point. Yeah. So what does the rest of the league look like to you? I mean, a lot of people have pegged the Clippers as kind of their favorite. Um, The Lakers are a lot of people's hot pick to be the team that comes out of the West potentially at the end and can win it. I I enjoy the fact that there's maybe seven or eight teams with legitimate aspirations for winning a championship. I'm not talking about dudes showing up to training camp. Mm Every, around the league, everybody's saying they want to win a title. We know that's not realistic. That's that's never realistic. But there, I can count four in the West, maybe three teams in the East who all legitimately have a shot to get through and play in the finals. I don't know that I remember a season recently where it was that many teams that I legitimately believed had. Yeah, I mean, let's them. keep it real. This is kind of like an, an asterisk year to an extent thing like the the team that has been nominated in the league for many years is not has not fallen off because of you know some things that happen on their own they're falling off because of injuries so it's anybody's game this year um i think i mean i feel like every team has holes but the clippers have the least amount of holes than anybody but the fact that Mm. they we haven't seen paul george and Kawhi play any number of games together worries me. I think it's more to it than they're putting on. I think Kawhi is not 100% healthy. Um, but, I, I, you know, everybody wants to see that because they have such a strong bench and a strong core around those guys. And it would be amazing, even if you're not a Clippers fan at all, which is really only five Clippers fans for real. You got Penny Marshall, Clipper Daryl, and Billy Crystal, <laughs> my homeboy Motown, and like one or two other people. So it's, it's a real Clipper fan. So uh, yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's one of those. No doubt, rest her soul, pretty much. Yeah, for real, for real. Like so, I'm I'm just like I'm excited to watch them. I want to see them fully healthy. Um, Houston has really surprised me. Um, I'm super surprised because mm-hmm. I really did not think 
that uh that 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 Harden and Westbrook will be able to work that well together. Um, and not to say that they're like, but they're winning. You know, at the end of the day, and that's what really matters. And Boston has really surprised me. Um, I feel like we've already seen a couple teams come back down to earth a little bit, like with Phoenix and and to an extent um, Toronto. But you know, it's 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 early, man. We we are what 14, 13, 14 games into the season for most of these teams. Right. We got a lot of basketball left. Yeah, ton, and and that's why I always have to check myself about making snap judgments a week into the season. I'm, you know, I'm I'm like everybody else. I'm this dude is oh, going to yeah. be an all star yeah. this year, you know, because he got off to a crazy hot start. It was like you got to check yourself just a little bit. Um, you you have a long history, you know, obviously in journalism and covering the league, and and really being about the culture, man, understanding the, that intersection of, you know, where sports and entertainment and the culture itself kind of mixed together and, and collide. What, what's been the most shocking thing to you about the rise of the, the basketball culture and how it intertwines with everything else? I remember when I was a kid and, you know, I'm dating myself, I'm older than you are. It's like, I remember being young and really thinking to myself, like, wow, like the, the basketball player, you know, the NBA players and entertainers, coexist in a in an environment that I'm not privy to as as a young person just watching them. Now with social media and and all the different avenues you have to keep up with these guys, it seems like the culture has grown to me. Like it's it's ballooned the amount of people who understand and have a touchstone with these current players and where they fit kind of in that bigger landscape. Have you have you gotten a sense of that as well in your years paying attention to it? And, Absolutely. And I mean, I, I can remember where the only time I saw NBA games on TV was on, on CBS on Saturday. You know what I mean? Like during the regular season now, almost every night, whether it's locally or even nationally between, you know, the, the national telegraph between the three different networks, the three different channels, you almost get an NBA game every night like being on tv as much as we cut the cord and social media and stuff being on tv is the quickest way to get in front of millions of people's faces and the fact that it's on tv and it's so big and these guys are are stars like i remember remember you know it was kind of like you only had one star at a time back in the day now you have quite a few guys that are marquee names and I, I feel like players are also getting more savvy um with how they utilize their stardom so with whether it be endorsing products or starting their own company so i think that has a lot to do with it as well and i mean it's just cooler to be a hooper than it is to play football or baseball <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like it's flashy you know what i mean you get to go out and you get to dress how you want to dress coming to the game people they actually show the players coming right. into the stadium as opposed to other sports you know it's actually ig you know uh accounts dedicated to what ball is where they have stuff that dedicated to right, which right. shoes i mean pj tucker is almost as famous for his shoe collection as he is for what he does on the court so it's just, you know, these, these guys exactly. are really marketing yes. themselves, man. And you got to, man. You might – it's no guarantee everybody's going to have a career as long as a Kobe or even LeBron right now. Like, you might be in and out. So you got to take full advantage of it. Yeah, that's a great point. I, it's just strange to me. I, you know, I remember young Michael Jordan wearing, like, 
And I remember the, the backlash he got yeah. from the older players. Like, remember when he showed up to his first couple All-Star games, whatever, you know, dressed different, and everybody was freaking out. And uh, and now I'm like, if you if you come in looking straight laced, you don't even get on camera. Like, nobody taking a Mike, shot at you. You got to come with some conservative heat. Conservative in this NBA. <laughs> Imagine that. Man, I hate <laughs> to say it. I hate to say it, man, right. you know. But uh, but yeah, listen. I I appreciate you taking the time, man. And and again, just perspective, man. Sometimes we kind of get caught up in this bubble, you know, and we don't really look at it from a broader perspective. Just the game and kind of where it is right now. I mean, I, I was telling somebody the other day. I just feel like the the NBA ecosystem is so healthy right now in terms of when you know when you have stars in the mid, you know, guys who are present stars who we know are going to be mm-hmm. Hall of Famers when they get done playing. And then the the pipeline is ridiculous. Like the pipeline is loaded. Watching John Morant and and you know some of these young boys, and then Luka Doncic and all these young players that I, that we see are, are going to be next. Yeah. Basically, I cannot remember a, a time when the next generation, that next wave, was on hand. I remember the, in the post Jordan years, we spent like five or six years haggling over who between Kobe, Tracy McGrady, and Vince Carter was going to be the next you know, iconic dude yeah. in the league. Like now it's, it's, it's a gamble. You don't know who's going to be. Absolutely. I mean, these guys are, are super talented and don't forget about, you know, Trey Young right here in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like Trey, 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 right, right. Ball no too. they got a nice young core with the Hawks as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's, we got a lot of exciting bats, but league is in a healthy place right now, like a really healthy place because, and especially people want to get mad about load management and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd be mad, too, if I paid money to go see a game and the player I want to see wasn't there. <laughs> but, you know, these guys are taking great care of their bodies because they want to have long careers. So, you know, imagine if we have that those matchups that we always want to see. Like, we only got a small glimpse of AI with Jordan. Imagine, you know, if Jordan had been in right. phenomenal shape a little bit longer. You, we we would have got two or three more of those yeah. matchups. We're we're gonna see that we're gonna yeah, see Westbrook true. and Trey go go at each other for the next five years. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna see that. So it's it's a beautiful place to be. Whether your team is doing well or not, it's just great to be able to just about any night turn on you know one of the turn on your TV and watch really competitive ball. I mean, even the other night the uh, the OKC is, isn't doing that well right now, but they they took the Clippers to the brink. And it was a super exciting finish to the game. So that's that's what where you're liable to see. Yeah, you're right. We've had some really good early season action, man. I, I watched the Lakers and Mavericks go at it one Friday night, and I couldn't – like, I literally – I was like, I cannot move until this yeah. game is over. LeBron and Doncic going at it. AD and Porzingis matched up. You're right. It's, it is a different – it's a very good time right now. I, I agree with you 100% on that, man. Um, look, like I said, I appreciate no it. I know you're busy, so I thank you for uh, taking some time to rock. I appreciate you having me, man. Peace, man. Thanks, brother. All right. Peace. want to thank Penny Hardaway, Memphis coach, basketball legend. You remember him from his playing days in the NBA, obviously, and before that, Memphis. Always good to talk to legends of the game and to hear their insights. Also, Brandon J. Peters, appreciate him for coming on and joining us, talking about the Warriors and the new reality for everyone that follows and loves and loathes the Golden State Warriors. Much different lifestyle. They're living right now with the injuries and all the other drama they have going on. 
Appreciate those guys taking some time out to join us here this week on the Hang Time Podcast. We'll have plenty more lined up for you in the coming weeks. You know where to find us. Make sure you check it out on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcast. For everybody here at the Hang Time Podcast, I'm Seku Smith. We'll see you right here next week. Thanks for listening to Seku Smith's Hang Time Podcast. Be sure to check out previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com backslash hang time or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans. <laughs>